It's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider with Jeff Franklin, Stephen McFadden, Meg Herber, and Bill Petrie. Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. The Industry Insider is only available at Promo Corner, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Jeff, Stephen, Meg, and Bill. And welcome to another edition of the Industry Insider podcast. I almost said insider industry. Almost, but call myself. (laughs) <laughs> uh, welcome to the Industry Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bill Petrie, and with me are the three other co-hosts of this fine, fine broadcast, but we're going to get to them in a second. In just a second, I want to thank our primary sponsor for this podcast, our good friends over at Next Level Apparel. We all that know know that Next Level is synonymous with high-quality, fashion-forward t-shirts, tank tops, and fleets, but as 2020 begins, they're calling it the year of Next Level. They're rolling out brand new updated aesthetic and relaunching their website to reflect those changes and they have some brand new garment styles and chief among them the highly anticipated first unisex item in the Ideal Collection, the 1800. It's a fashion forward short sleeve unisex t-shirt that's made of uh, carded ring spun cotton. It's available in 19 colors and perfect for DTT, discharge and screen printing. You know part of Next Level's approach when it comes to releasing new styles, they want to balance creativity with purpose, ensuring that all their innovations are useful, wearable, and for you, the distributor, most importantly, sellable. They're motivated by making customers' lives better and easier, and their philosophy is when their customers win, you win. So if you want to learn more about Next Level Apparel, just visit nextlevelapparel.com. You won't be sorry you did. Now, I did mention I have three of my very good friends also on this podcast. I have the lovely and talented Meg Erber. Hey. I have the lovely and talented Stephen McFadden. Hello. And we, of course, have Jeff Franklin. So, (laughs) guys, guys, our topic today is a timely one, but honestly, we could record this podcast anytime, and it would be a timely one. The topic today is mergers and acquisitions in the promotional products industry. So as we record this podcast in in full transparency, we do record these slightly in advance of when they actually drop. We just had a a pretty big announcement that uh, the good people at PCNA had acquired ETS and trying to make as many acronyms as possible in the industry. Well, I thought um, I thought the big news was SNS acquiring Technosport. Well, that's well, equally as big news. We can talk Meg's going to have to yeah, Meg's going to have to speak in. Meg's going to have to speak up for us to know about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, let me let's let's go from this direction. So, I'll I'll talk about the service provider perspective here in just a few. Stephen, from a lot of the the so, uh, the mergers and acquisitions really tend to be on the supplier side. I'd say it's about seventy five percent on the supplier side, twenty five percent on the um, uh, distributor side. How do when, when you see an acquisition like this? What are your first thoughts? What do you tell your team? Walk us through that process. Uh, it, it was funny. So we we got the. Uh, my, my wife actually found out about it first through I think it was a um, an email blast, and she's like, "Did you hear?" I'm like. Hear what? And she's like, that that that, e, that ETS and, and PCNA. I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then of course we come into the office and everyone has like the this first moment of reaction, which is some negative, some positive, some I don't cares. Um, <laughs> but it, it it honestly depends on which you know we we get this announce we get an announcement like this. It feels like a you know at least a half a dozen times a year. 
uh, not necessarily on this of this magnitude. Um, sometimes they're smaller or uh, they're they're more acquisition based. But um, my, my reaction typically is is generally the same, um, and it's hmm. We'll have to see if that what that does anything to anything. Like it's you know it's sometimes you notice changes and sometimes you don't. Um, there's our biggest concern when we hear news like this is is your service going to be affected yeah is it is it going to change anything uh that will actually affect us like will we lose our inside folks will we lose our outside folks um you know who do do we is there going to be a different order submission channel and stuff like that so i usually then go and i read the you know the different publications that come out on the on the mergers and i kind of read through the line or you know read in between the lines and this one in particular seems as though it's going to be a um, – they're still going to remain themselves and be run independent of PCNA, but it's going to be just, I guess, under the PCNA umbrella. So when I read that, I was like, okay, you know, we, we've got a good relationship with both those companies. Um, but ETS's strength from when I've spoken with, you know, even their owners – They've said, you know, our strength is that we do one thing very, very, very well. And they're, mm-hmm. the, they're the best at, you know, their printing capabilities and things like that. So when I hear mergers, when someone does one thing well, it makes me wonder, A, is it just filling a gap for that other company? Because they may not, they, they may just want to have the best of the best in that category. Or are they going to try to mess with the best of the best? And if so, that's probably not good. So, you know, it's a wait and see moment, but it sounds as though... This one in particular, um, you know, it, it could be good. It could be good for both parties if they just added a, a good, solid company. So, we remains to be seen. But that's kind of the the, the level of emotions our our office goes through in probably a twelve hour period where we're like freaking out, and then we're okay, and then it's like doesn't really matter. <laughs> so. I I hope that's the case because I've got a couple of, you know really Same. good friends that work yeah. for both uh, for ETS, and yeah. uh, you know I mean the thing about it is that they, every time there's a merger and acquisition, they always say that oh yeah we're going to remain as two separate entities, everything's going to run the same, like we're going to keep everybody, like blah blah blah, yeah. and then you know a couple months down the road you see all the you know cutbacks slowly and dropping and off right so you know I, I really hope for for their sake that you know from my friend's sakes uh that you know it it does stay that way but you know you just never know um but you're absolutely right i mean it could just be you know pcna seeing a, a a possible hole in what they're trying to offer as a as a whole company or an umbrella and uh you know just trying to you know fill that gap mm-hmm. yeah um in and so meg obviously you it's a great great perspective there jeff you have you're 100 right um, and I loved your perspective, Stephen, in the fact that, you know, obviously you kind of take a measured approach and, you know, you're more concerned about how your customers are going to be impacted through mm-hmm. that and your, your salespeople. Meg, obviously uh, SNS just went through a, a bit of that too. They just acquired uh, someone. From your perspective, when you're part of the organization that acquires another company, what are your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> whoa, excuse me. So a couple of thoughts on this in general. So number one, we really didn't, as salespeople, we didn't really know anything about it until about two hours prior to this going out. And it was kind of like <laughs> an internal announcement just saying, hey, just a heads up, we acquired this company in Canada. And, you know, our, it's not going to affect us or you guys, really. It's just we've been really trying to, we've been growing the company. Obviously, we've been opening up distribution centers. A couple of years ago, we had only one distribution center. And we kind of prided ourselves on that, you know, deep inventory, one location. 
And then we, um, we bought Americana Sportswear out in California and then Eva Tees. But we did. We kept them separate, separate entities. But it was kind of a disaster for our customers. You know, if they wanted to check stock at Eva Tees, they had to log in. You know, they want to place an order when SNS, they had to do it differently. So I think in 2016, we kind of grouped them all together. So it was one entity. And then we opened up three more, uh, four more, three more distribution centers, actually four more because we closed one in California um, and moved it to Reno. But so now we have six all over the country. And our, 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 you know, the reason behind this is we want to be a one to two day ground ship time to everybody. Yeah. It's really a shipping factor. And where we were lacking and where our competition was not was in good old Canada. So we had to put our marker in there and we found a place, um, you know, based on what everyone is saying, this is a really good fit for us. Um, you know, it's a family-owned business, which kind of resonates with yep. us. It, it has a powerful reputation in Canada's wholesale apparel industry. And we're just really excited to build on the success that they've already achieved. Um you know, we're both national apparel distributors and they've really, we both have that same company culture where they've built business through the positive company culture. And I think a lot of people look at us and they see that. And apparently that's what we saw in Technospore in Canada. So I don't think that's going to mean any less jobs. We're not trying to have SNS reps, you know, go up to Canada. So I think that's going to be good. But in the overall acquisitions, they usually do end up hurting people some somewhere down the line than that we've seen. So I'm really hoping that this, you know, stays true and we hold our, you know, our culture as one of those priorities and and it stays that way. But yeah, um, but I've seen it on the other side, you know, um, a per- couple personal stories about this real quick. You know, uh, back in the day, mo- most of you know that I used to work for Jetline. So when I went to yeah. the other side, the Jetline Prime side, and then... Yeah, well, they were, they, you know, they came to me like, hey, you're not, you're not selling the product. What's going on? I'm like, listen, man, it, being a distributor is a lot harder than you think when you're first starting off. Like I can hustle for an order of a thousand pens and maybe make 20 bucks off of it. But if I sell a thousand t-shirts, man, that's night and day. So I was one of the people that kind of propelled them into selling apparel. Sorry, everybody. But then they, you know, that made them more appealable to Prime, which then they were bought up by Prime. And then Prime was actually one of my largest accounts, um, you know, and then out of nowhere, Alpha came in and just bought them. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I just made them more appealable to my biggest competitor. And it's awesome. But uh, so I lost that account, unfortunately. But, you know, it, I was more worried. At first, I was upset. I was like, wow, this kind of sucks. Like, this, these are my friends. Like, I, you know, but then I was more worried about, you know, if they were going to have jobs at the end of the day. And I know, you know, it's just a very touchy situation because they are my friends and I want to see them succeed, but you know, it's, it's whatever the, the final say so is they're kind of out of the, out of the loop too. You know, they're just going along for the ride and hopefully they, they stay there. You know, I was, I was thinking about some of the things you were talking about as you said that and and I, I've had some discussion with, uh, some people that shall rename nameless. Uh, I know. I'm like definitely dancing around right? all this stuff. Well, if you guys ever let me get a word in edgewise, I'm naming names. Oh, okay. Oh, well, go for it. You just go. No, go ahead. No, Stephen. Burn them down. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, I am ready to scorch some earth. Oh, I like oh, that. Oh, nice. Uh, well, I'll scorch be quick away. then because I want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But it was basically be asking economical them. with your words, Stephen. Will do. Uh, and done. And they, uh, so I was asking them, you know, what do you look for when you are merging? Because there's, I was talking to some folks that do a lot of acquisitions or 
have been involved in a lot of mergers and I know it, who you're talking about. No, I don't know. Uh, I might. All and right, uh, tell it. <laughs> and you know, they were saying really, it's there's a lot of distribution play, which I think is something Meg you you touched on. Um, just being able to have goods in a lot of different locations and manufact, you know, people that can have similar production or manufacturing, uh, or excuse me, embellishing, um, like to have the same capacities at different facilities. They can then put those, you know, their product line across the country. So then their, you know, their ship points are, are quicker. And to me, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that's although the brands may not align, you know, from an outsider looking in, but from having distribution and you know, East Coast, West Coast, you know, Central Canada, uh, that that's a great play. I think I think that helps everybody long term. Now, one of the things that I think you touched on as well too is when that happens. You know, if you combine like a customer service team or you combine now you're just inevitably talking about people are going to people will lose their jobs right or you know though some of these positions get duplicated and so then there'll be some you know, some loss here and there but anyways uh bill i want to hear what you have to say uh well you're one of the few uh, before i do i want to thank our secondary sponsor if i may we have a secondary oh, sponsor oh. the self-serving promo corner is our secondary sponsor oh nice um so if, as suppliers, I know a lot of suppliers listen to our podcast as well as distributors. So we have a great supplier offering. If you're looking for ways to market your unique identity, uh, not uh, we have a whole suite of services, whether it's email broadcasting, whether it's uh, so, uh, advertising on our website, whether it's sponsoring a podcast, much like this one, new ways to reach your audience and move them to action. So I'll, that's a brief one. So now it's time for me to scorch some earth. Right? How long does that go on for, though, Bill? How long does that go on for what? Well, you said it was a, like a special whatever thing, right? Or is that like like moving forward indefinitely? What, the secondary sponsorship? No, 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 not the secondary sponsorship. The offerings that you're talking about for suppliers. The offerings, they're, they're, all, they're always available. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Absolutely. No, thank you. I have, I have a meeting with Amelia in Vegas. That's why I asked. Well, excellent. Well, and I'm happy to step in uh, and help if you need. But, you know, Amelia is great, and she will definitely tell you all. I'd probably rather deal with her, to be honest with you. I, I think, honestly, that's prettier. everybody's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all right, right, go ahead. Scorch. All right. It's time for me to light a conflagration. So um, most people don't realize this, but my background before I got in the promotional mm. marketing industry is in mergers and acquisitions. Ooh. So, uh, and, and it was by, by accident, quite frankly. So I used to work in the office products industry, and the company I worked for, um, was very active in mergers and acquisitions. And somehow, at a very young age, I was identified to be part of the acquisition team when they would acquire companies. So I was 28, and I found myself working on, at the time, seemed very large acquisitions, but $55 million acquisition here, $26 million acquisition there. And I was be, and it was mainly, believe it or not, I know this will shock you, so I hope everybody's sitting down, but it was mainly because of my personality that people felt I could get along with everybody and be the point person for the company that was acquired. So I would come from the home office and kind of be the liaison hmm. on acquisitions. So I learned a lot, certainly about people, and I learned a lot about myself, but really learned how these things really work. And so, you know, when we talk about the people who are affected, and that really does, you know, it, acquisitions are painful no matter what. Yeah. And, and so you look at it from a couple of perspectives. Always look at it from the perspective of the end user customer. And in this case, 
from a supplier side, if suppliers are, are merging, you're going to look at how does this impact the distributors? That's the customer. How does this impact a Stephen McFadden or someone who works at a Halo or someone who works uh, on their own in the middle of Laredo, Texas? It doesn't matter. How is this going to impact their level of service? How is this going to impact delivery? Usually the suppliers or usually uh, acquire, companies that are merging or a company that's being acquired, their mindset is to create a better experience for the customer while creating economic efficiencies. Mm -hmm. That's the mindset. No companies want to merge and screw anybody or make things worse. They want to move from a standard three-day shipping turnaround to two days, things like that, okay? But you get the people. Then you start thinking about the people. And I'll bring up one, Brett Schaefer, who's a, a very good friend of mine. I think you know him very well, obviously. Uh, Meg. Yeah. Um, you know, Brett was at uh, Jetline mm -hmm. when they were acquired by Prime. Um, and then, obviously, Prime was acquired by Alpha Broder. And I know that, you know, he was, without getting into details, and hopefully Brett won't get upset that I'm sharing this, which means he probably will. <laughs> I'm like but he was performing. <laughs> he was performing very, very well. And, what ha for, and he was in a sales role, and his territory was up. The challenge you have, and again, being part of the, the winning company, for lack of a better term, the acquiring company, not the mm -hmm. company that's been acquired, you're always going to find a way to reduce redundancies. You're going to have a certain number of people that process orders. Well, the maybe maybe each company had 30, so now you have 60 people, but now the combined entity really only needs 40 people to process the same amount of orders. So you're going to have to lose 20 jobs, and that stinks. It yeah. stinks terribly. I've had to let people go through no fault of their own because, frankly, they were redundant, and that's a horrible way to refer to someone, but it's a fact. Their, their jobs were redundant. So when you have those redundancies, you, you look at either how are they fitting in the long-term culture of the industry uh, of, the, of the, the new company? How have they performed in the past? You know, what kind of future do they have? Things like that. And then sometimes there are personalities where you just say, hey, we don't want to deal with that. Um, and, and I know in the case of Brett, uh, I don't he was know just why. Very ugly, I think. Yeah, it, it, he just got let yeah. go, and, yeah. and, and it was uh, he was for and he was told he was redundant, and, and and I've been downsized. I've been told I've been redundant, mm. and it's horrible. But it is necessary. There's no reason for two companies to merge unless you're going to increase operational efficiencies, and unfortunately, that means reducing and eliminating redundancies. So you know. It sucks, and it sucks when it happens to you personally or happens to a friend. But I think people need to realize it's going to happen. So, you know, with ETS being part of PCNA, and I will say I think PCNA has a great track record of keeping the acquired companies very much in their own lane. Like yeah. Journal Books still much, yeah. is a very much a standalone division within PCNA, at least in my mind, the way it's presented – they're, they're still, you know, they're, you know, you go to a booth in Vegas, obviously they have their own section in the PCNA booth, but they're treated almost like a separate business within the business. Whereas other organizations, they'll bring them into the fold. You know, Alpha right. Broders, Primeline, Jetline, I don't even know if the, the 
the company Jetline even exists internally anymore. Yeah, you I don't know. I know there's it. still yeah. people there, but like if you go to the website, it still has the logo, and the jet, it automatically goes to the Prime website, which actually now might go to the Alpha website. Not really sure. To be honest so I with think you. they're positioning Jetline as like the, for lack of a better term, the discount section. Like it's the, the bullet, bu- line? It's the bullet yeah. of PC. It's the yeah. bullet of, yeah. So question so, for you guys. In this industry, what was the first merger that you remember? Big one. I know yours is probably like a Halo one, isn't it, Bill? Mine would be when, yeah, so mine's attached to Halo. Uh, we had gone through, we'd filed the bankruptcy, um, had refigured, had figured out what the new company was going to look like, which was very much like Lee Wayne, uh, which meant home-based sales reps, centralized order processing. Um, and so the biggest, the, the first one I was a part of, and I was on the acquisition team for that, I always like to joke, I was a really nice pet for, for <laughs> Mark Simon to have because I understood how this stuff worked, was JII when mm. Halo bought uh, Jordan Industries. Okay. Yeah, which Halo effectively really doubled the size of the organization. I think mine was uh, when Bic acquired Norwood back in the yep. mid 2000s. That was going to be Eileen, mine. Yeah, Eileen yeah. jumped on a phone call and she called me because I was a distributor back then, and she was like, "This is about to drop, and I want you guys to hear it from me first. And I was like, "Oh, what is this? This is new." Yeah, I think I, it's probably probably around the first Same. one that I ever remember yeah, yeah. as well. The first one I do. And, yeah, Bill, so, my buddy uh, John yeah, R.B. Cudahy was actually yeah. a casualty of that same acquisition. Absolutely, and I know and, John very well. John yeah. absolutely was a casualty. Good good one. You know, but, you know, hey, look, most people, uh, I think, do initially or um, eventually wind up on their feet again. You know, I mean, John's with a great company now, Raining Rose, and, um, fits him. you know, I, I think people and Brett do is, too. Brett's with Showdown. I mean, generally – those things, you, it ends up being better. It's just I don't think anyone likes – no one likes change when it's forced upon them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I know that's a, that's never the intent of the of the acquiring no. company either. All, you know, this person works for such and such. Let's go right. acquire them so that we can, you know, get rid of them. But, <laughs> it feels uh, you like know, it, but it's it, not. It is right. nice when the companies figure out a way to sort of still keep things, uh, you know, uh, the way that they were, you know, and operating sort of as separate entities. Right. You know, I, I'm actually still a little bit surprised. I know uh, Hub – uh, just maybe a little over a year ago. Uh, well, all right. Hello. And up oh, there we are. <laughs> there you are. Sorry, yeah. I don't know what the heck just happened there. So, uh, you know, I know Hub when they went through all those acquisitions like a, a year or two ago. Um, Orgadio was one of the ones that they had acquired, and you know, I was a lot of the multi-line reps that were carrying Orgadio were like, you know, fearing yeah. the worst. Uh, you know, that they were going to lose the line and everything else. And it's like, here we are a year and a half later or two years later, whatever it was. And, you know, to my knowledge, not a whole lot has changed, if anything. Yeah, um, it really is. So it's, it's And nice I don't know what happened to your voice, but it just slowed down. <laughs> it, so Jeff's did. talking it, like it was, this as I had to talking keep looking. in the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes, is it still Is it still working that way? I was still like, who talking is talking? That way? And I, I only knew it was Jeff because his little thing was moving on the... Well, on the- I, I always feel like that's how Jeff's brain works when I start talking. It's like a complete power down to him. It's like, oh, no. Jeff's talking now. I don't either, but it's still there. It's, it's still, still going on, and it's awesome. amazing. I don't, I don't know so what caused amazing. the issue. <laughs> um... All right, so let's kind of wrap this. Uh, well, kind of I'm going to let somebody else talk now. Acquisitions are still <laughs> going to happen. And let's just focus on the supplier acquisitions right now, I think, because that's sure. where the conversation has been. Stephen, what would you like to see from suppliers when these things happen from a communication perspective? And then both from Meg and Super Slowdown Jeff, what would you guys <laughs> like to see internally 
if your company was either being acquired or acquiring? How would you like that communicated to you? Let's start with super slow power down, Jeff. (laughs) Get it out of the way. (laughs) No, Jeff, go ahead. All right. Okay. Go ahead. So things that I, would I don't like know that that's a good idea. I don't want to speak on behalf of my coworkers as well, but I kind of am. Um, no, let's let's go. I to think Mike the first. communication is key. I think we all were under the impression that we, I'm definitely going to get in trouble for this one. We, we would have liked more of a heads up, like a conference call on it, just so when we are asked questions, maybe during a podcast or you know in a sales meeting, we're armed with the information. Usually we get these um, these little internal announcements, but this one was literally two hours beforehand. And you know, when again with acquisitions comes anxiety. What's going to happen? Am I going to be redundant? I think having that conference call ahead of time, getting everybody on the same page, knowing, making sure everybody has the answers to the questions that will be asked is pretty important, I think, across the board. And also to, to reassure the people that they are here and they are here for a reason and, you know, that their jobs are safe or if they're not, then maybe you just kind of you, you, you set the expectations up front. And I think that's what anyone would, would like. So. Yeah, and, and I know you know, obviously, there's a lot of, of secrecy that has to be part of that process, but I think you hit on something. I think, you know, when it's time to let, for lack of a better term, please don't take this as a negative comment. It's not, but the rank and file, when you are able to actually, the deal's done and you're able to announce it internally, I think doing it via a conference call where everybody's on and questions can be asked. Yeah is the way to do it. 100%. I, 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 when it's done by email, again, people read tone into an email, and it, it all of a sudden, you know, you talk about the ripple effect of, of fear. That's when that stuff happens. 100%, because what, what if I'm not in front of my computer getting that email, and then all of a sudden I'm yep. getting text messages from my coworkers, oh my gosh, did you hear about this acquisition? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, you almost want to pull over and read the email, and you're like, I don't know. And it's, it's scary. It's definitely yeah, scary. Absolutely. All right, Stephen, what about you from a distributor perspective? You know, I think um, I always ask the same question whenever I see an acquisition, and I just wish I would find out the information sooner, and it's why. I'm why? just like, what, 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 why? Like, why? You know, there's some that just make no sense when you Here, hear Here, I'll answer them. that question for you. Money. Because they're going to make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I, honestly, it, it, they do it. it or it's two things in our industry. It's money, certainly. Money's a big part of it, Stephen. But it's also making – it's also like from an org audio perspective. And I know those guys and very, I know their very, why. very well. I'm so sorry? And I was saying I know their why because I've talked to them about it. Yeah, it, it, so their that, why that had a lot more to do with – a lot, a lot to do with the distribution and, and that type of – you know, making sure that they could get product places faster. Yeah, right. great. So it's either efficiency – or, or financial, and it's usually both, and that's yeah. it. And I think that's that's what I would I would like to ask for. You know, knowing knowing the answer is you know ahead of time. I guess we all we all know it's it's probably money and efficiencies. But you know, knowing how how tangible that is to us. So I, I guess I'm I'm just more of a details person. So if someone says you know, hey, we may not be able to tell you all that now, but so you're nosy. We're, we're we're gonna we're gonna set up a you know a little webinar in february and we're going to tell you what's what what you can look forward to now that we've had this murder that's or a really like that. good idea that's um, a really good idea and I, and I think that'd be great i think people would tune in they'd be like all right we'll, we'll give you that time you know we'll we'll sit we'll settle down for a little bit and and then we'll wait to hear what you well, guys are going to do with that you know and i think, I think cool. and jeff we'll just kind of I, I i think we know where you're at on this i don't want to make you feel like power down jeff um <laughs> 
we'll I am going to make that suggestion, though, Stephen. I think if that was you that said that about holding a webinar for oh, our, sweet. our customers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to suggest it. it. I don't know if they'll listen to me or not. But I think people do want to know, like, what the heck is this about? Like, we didn't even yeah, know about it. I mean, so what, and I'm I always say... I always say, you know, a lot of people are not huge fans of Mark Simon, and I've worked very closely with Mark. And in this, this, and I'll wrap it up with this: when we went through the bankruptcy, and I say we, like I've been Halo, I haven't been at Halo in over twelve years. Um, but when Halo <laughs> went through the bankruptcy, one of the things Mark did, and he did it also through the acquisition of, of Jordan Industries of JII, we had a weekly company-wide town hall meeting. He would talk about what's going on, where we're at, very plain language. And some of it, especially during the bankruptcy, very scary. Yeah. You know, and, and I was in those meetings where we would talk about how do we meet payroll this week, okay, mm. um, leading up to the bankruptcy. And so he would be very candid about what we're doing, the, how we're handling suppliers. And then same thing with the, uh, with the acquisition of JII. And I think that allayed a lot of concern uh, just having that knowing that that was a static meeting every friday at 10 o'clock in the morning and it might only last a half hour but mark would sit there and answer god bless him every answer and every question from any employee no matter who they were and, and i think that not only humanized mark internally and it certainly helped him in his leadership but it also made everybody feel like hey we're part of this we're all actually part of this so that's good that's Great good. feedback. Yeah. Really good stuff. Well, I think the key is mergers and acquisitions are still going to happen in our industry. Yep. I think it's only going to accelerate. And and so I thought I think the conversation was really good. I'd love to hear from some of our listeners, as I'm sure you guys would, yes. what they think about this as right. well. Have you been but, part of an acquisition? Where are you now? Like, that's yeah, also, what would you like? Here. Yeah. Well, again, I'd like to thank our sponsor. <laughs> thank you, Joe. <Jill. laughs> Um, I'd like thank to thank our sponsor, you. Next Level Apparel. You know they're synonymous with that high-quality fashion for T-shirts, tank tops, and fleece. 2020, year of the next level. Uh, they are motivated by making customers' lives better and easier. When their customers win, they win, and that's a great philosophy. So go ahead and visit them at nextlevelapparel.com. You won't be sorry you did. Jeff, Stephen, and Meg, as always, a pleasure. Thank you guys very much, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. See you easy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.